On Capitol Hill, it seems everyone is mad at the big technology companies. When Facebook announced it would put off a decision on banning former President Donald Trump from its platform, Democrats said it showed, again, the site was not as committed to combating disinformation as it should be. Republicans took the decision as evidence that Facebook, like Twitter before it, was suppressing free speech, particularly of conservative voices. On the Hill, there's talk of using the government's authority to break up firms with monopoly power, antitrust, to bring the tech firms to heel. Our guest today on CQ Future is Diana Moss, the president of the American Antitrust Institute, a group that advocates for stricter antitrust enforcement. Welcome to the show, Diana. Thank you for having me on. So the big tech firms clearly have tremendous market power. I'm thinking of Google, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon. Does it rise to the level in your mind where the government or the judiciary should take some sort of antitrust action? Good question, and certainly very relevant for where we are right now. Um, the the digital uh, business ecosystems, uh, that's how we refer to them, certainly are very powerful economic actors, but uh, they raise issues not only of of competition and effects on consumers and innovation, but but also for social policy and political issues, as we've seen. Um, clearly, there are uh, concerns on the antitrust side of the ledger about uh, the very very significant market power wielded by the largest digital business ecosystems, and uh, we are finally seeing action. And that action includes uh, federal and state cases uh, involving Google and Facebook, uh, but also lots of activity over in Europe with enforcement there. And antitrust is one tool, obviously, but the problems that and issues that the the platforms raise, I think, transcend just antitrust enforcement as a policy tool. Yeah, that's an interesting point because antitrust, of course, has to do with your power in the marketplace. You can think of things like Google's power over advertising rates or Amazon's power over retail sales and the competition they pose in the advertising space to anyone else who needs advertising, newspapers, for example, television, or, or Amazon's power versus small or large businesses that are brick and mortar. But then there's this other issue of how social media has allowed the spread of disinformation, how the, the sort of the very business model that keeps eyeballs engaged um, is one that riles people up. People get engaged by material that makes them angry or that that fires them up about politics. And those seem like, uh, you know, disaggregate for me how those issues interact and how much the law and antitrust play a role in each of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, a really important keyword, Sean, and that is a business model. So these uh, digital business ecosystems really are a unique type of business model where you have a, a, a you know a, a large group of interconnected markets, and and the value proposition for uh, the digital players is to engage users, 
to collect as much information from them as possible, to harness the value of that information through data analytics uh, bolstered by things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, and to then sort of shape the preferences of those users as they engage with the ecosystems. And really the goal is to keep them in the ecosystem and prevent them from switching, for example, to other social media platforms, other types of services, that, that are potentially available. So what we see uh, is that these ecosystems are very unique. They have some really unique economic characteristics around privacy, for example. There are big economies of scale and things like data and cloud infrastructure. And the punchline on all of that is, uh, is whether antitrust, the tools of antitrust and traditional remedies like breakups or conduct remedies are really going to get at the root of these very anomalous features of the digital ecosystems. And what we're finding is is the answer is no, that antitrust plays a very important role, for example, in preventing harmful acquisitions of potential rivals like Facebook's acquisition of Instagram and WhatsApp. Uh, and, And of course, those are in the past, but we're looking now towards the future. But I think the the conclusion is that antitrust plays an important role, but it's not going to be sufficient. We may well need legislation that proposes a regulatory regime for the digital platforms that can get at some of these really um, concerning issues around privacy and the shaping of user preferences and lock-in effects and that sort of thing. So it really is going to be sort of a toolkit approach. The argument that the firms make is that, for the most part, their services to consumers are free. Um, And if there's no price gouging, if they're not raising prices because of their market power, then how can they be a monopoly? How can antitrust be implicated? And what's the answer to that? Really excellent question. And and that question is front and center, for example, in the cases against Facebook, where uh, the government, state, federal government, in in their cases have have teed up the, the, the concept that these are zero price markets. You know, users are not paying with currency. The current, uh, you know, monetary currency. The currency is really their attention and their information. So it's the collection of all of their data and the enrichment and harnessing of the value of that data. But it is well known that uh, the standards that we apply in antitrust uh, do include. Uh, price effects, but also quality effects. And abuse of users' privacy and information is certainly a quality effect. So instead of price gouging, as you say, you know, we could call it quality gouging or information gouging. And that's exactly uh, what we see uh, in, in terms of the currency of the digital ecosystems, but also uh, how antitrust cases capture uh, harm to competition and harm to consumers. So it's 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 a very valid proposition and reachable under existing antitrust law. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my mind, the last really blockbuster antitrust action the government took was against uh, Microsoft in the late 90s when they sought to prevent Microsoft from using its uh, operating system to dominate the, the market for web browsers by by favoring its Internet Explorer browser over the then-dominant Netscape Navigator. And we saw pretty quickly how Google came in and totally eclipsed both of them. 
And the tech firms say, this is the market we live in, where it's constantly changing, where we, it's difficult to forecast the next big thing. And therefore, we actually need more leniency in the antitrust space. And so I'm curious what you think about how much that the government's experience with the Microsoft case is affecting the current outlook on regulation and antitrust action against the current big tech giants. So, you know, we haven't had that many monopolization cases in the history of U.S. antitrust law, right? We had the big cases going back into the formative years of antitrust, Standard Oil, and and, uh, uh, we had AT&T and the breakup there in 1984, and then comes Microsoft, and now we have some big monopolization cases in the digital technology space. So so not a huge track record to to work with there, but the concepts are the same. Really just fundamentally uh, the very similar concepts across all these cases, which is uh, the abuse of a dominant market position to exclude competition and smaller, more disruptive, innovative rivals to solidify that market position and and to either raise prices, lower quality and stifle innovation. That's sort of the central uh, concern. And we see that in the, in the ecosystems today, certainly in the Google and the Facebook cases. And, you know, we, there, there, there could be more. So these are well-established, durable concepts about that, that go to the heart of uh, monopolization cons- concerns. The, the problem, I think, is that the, the, the digital players are very complex. And we've already talked about the unique economic features that they have. Um, the incentives are very strong to fulfill this value proposition of keeping users locked into the system to to you know really exploit their data and to sort of steer them into the far reaches of the ecosystem. And that means you know health services, energy services, uh, educational ed tech services, you name it. the the ecosystems are expanding incredibly uh, rapidly. And it's sort of all centered around cloud capability, which is sort of the engine of growth for for the ecosystems. The big question, I think, for public policy is, uh, how do we address that? Uh, Yes, they do deliver innovative services and convenience and uh, um, benefits to consumers. But at the same time, the abuse of these dominant market positions the uh, locking in of users into a single ecosystem and preventing them from switching, the knocking out of rivals who are trying to compete on these platforms, um, you know, can easily erase all of those alleged benefits to consumers. And I think that's the tipping point that we're at in antitrust enforcement and in legislative proposals is that, sure, yeah, there are benefits here, but at the same time, uh, there are significant costs and damage to competition and consumers and innovation. And what would the world have been but for the development of these very dominant players and, and the market power that they have exercised? What do you think about the, the free speech issue? I mentioned in the opening Facebook's decision to put off deciding about whether to allow former President Trump back on their platform. Of course, Twitter has banned him permanently. There's also been all sorts of issues over um, the types of posts that the social media sites determine are disinformation or suppress. And I'm curious, uh, you know, should private companies have that sort of power given how important they've become in the public square, in the uh, dissemination of, of speech. 
So I think the question there, which is really a um, just a, a really troubling, difficult question that that antitrust enforcers and legislators and policymakers are, are grappling with, is uh, a function of the really unique aspects of the social media markets, and and that is there are an enormous what we call uh, network effects. So being on uh, a platform like Facebook. Uh, becomes more valuable to any individual user as more users join, right? So it's it's and and then eventually the market just tips to a single provider. So that's why we see Facebook dominant in social personal social networking. We see Twitter dominant in in microblogging. That's a separate you know type of market or submarket. And so when you have these very strong economic uh, characteristics that drive the market to a single provider. Uh, and, and there's very little competition, right? Because users don't want to switch. They want to be on the platform that everybody's on. That, then that really complicates the mechanics of antitrust analysis. And so the question is, can antitrust remedies get to the issue of uh, free speech, uh, diversity in viewpoints uh, through, the, through multiple market participants competing away in these social uh, social networking and microblogging markets, and I, I think the, that's a heavy lift for antitrust because of these overpowering economic characteristics. And so I think when searching around for for other policy tools to address this, this is really I think where legislation comes in, and and the need for a more overarching regulatory regime to address you know this problem in particular, the lack of diversity. And, um, and other problems as well. So I think what we'll end up with eventually, obviously we need to invigorate antitrust enforcement overall, but we need it, especially in digital technology, uh, but we're gonna need some sort of companion regime, regulatory regime. And you know, the Europeans are all over this right now with the UK's uh, initiative uh, to regulate digital markets. And, you know, that I think will require legislation and the creation of a new uh, regulatory oversight authority, sector regulator, if you will. Um, And we're not talking about sort of hardcore economic regulation, regulating prices and profits and entry. We're talking about uh, regulation that ensures a level playing field and creates an environment where other types of uh, competitors can thrive. Okay, let's get to to Congress in a second. But first, the traditional antitrust regulators would be the Justice Department's Antitrust Division and the Federal Trade Commission. What role should they be playing specifically right now if Congress is thinking about a broader regulatory regime for, for big tech? Yes, million dollar question. I'm a former federal regulator myself. I was over at the FERC for many years and uh, you know, in the sometimes uncomfortable position of of enforcing you know the laws uh, under a regulatory act, in this case the Federal Power Act, alongside other you know other laws, for example, antitrust uh, enforcement at the federal and the state level. So antitrust and regulation can work together uh, in a complementary kind of way, but they're very different fundamentally. They, you know, reg- the whole regulatory oversight process relies on public information an open advocacy process, uh, also relies on very sort of, uh, regulatory remedies, rules and requirements about how firms can behave and operate. Antitrust does things very different. It's law enforcement. 
And so it's an investigatory process. It's all confidential information obtained under subpoena. And the remedies uh, you know, should uh, trend towards the structural side, which is you know, eliminating incentives to exercise market power through divestitures and that sort of thing. So these two have to, these two regimes have to work together, regulation and antitrust. Um, because we don't have any regulation in digital tech, I think I think legislators, uh, if and when they do propose more specific regimes, are going to have to find a way to make sure that regulation does not conflict with antitrust enforcement. And obviously, there will have to be a savings clause, as we say, which preserves the role of antitrust enforcement in digital technology. But this is really, uh, this has never really happened before, where a regime is being developed, potentially being developed to regulate the sector um, uh, when you already have existing antitrust enforcement and now some case law coming out. Uh, so whatever regime is crafted by Congress, if it gets through, uh, at all, I think we'll have to be very, very careful and aware uh, uh, to not create conflicts with antitrust law because we need both of those tools working together. Okay, let's turn to Congress. There's a lot of talk surrounding Section 230, which was part of a 1996 law that basically said the tech companies weren't liable for things posted on their sites by users. Uh, idea being that that would shut down the sharing of information if they had to monitor every single post. Um, but it's come under scrutiny as the, as the tech firms, particularly the social media firms, have used more editorial judgment in, in what is disinformation or what information should be suppressed on their sites. Is Section 230 something that should be revisited as part of a regulatory regime? I think it has to be in this in this context. I'm not a Section 230 expert. Uh, it's fascinating and an important sort of parallel narrative that is uh, that that is go going on in this debate and this this discourse. Uh, I do think it does call into question the fact that you have market power in in uh, in personal social networking and microblogging. Uh, sort of sets the stage for for the concern. Uh, the fact that that the digital ecosystems uh, exploit user data, they they use algorithms to shape uh, the behavior and the preferences of users in the system, starts to cross the line uh, uh, over what is content moderation when and what is not content moderation. So to the extent that the the digital players are so involved in exploiting and uh, and uh, user data and, and shaping their preferences, keeping them in the ecosystem. I think you get some blurriness there, some fuzziness about what's content moderation and what's not content moderation. And that debate should absolutely occur. I don't think it's a clean line uh, in terms of, well, we're just hosting contents and, 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 and uh, we don't play a role in that. I, I don't think that's a clean line anymore uh, because of the characteristics of the, of the platforms. And uh, any any debate over this over Section two hundred and thirty, I think, is going to have to have that very difficult discussion. What about other proposals in Congress? Do you hear anything you find promising? Well, we're certainly uh, after the House Judiciary Committee report came out, there were there there was a lot in there, substantively uh, and also in terms of recommendations. Uh, we are waiting to see what 
uh, where that might go. I, I do think that's a heavy lift. It's going to have to be a bipartisan uh, effort uh, to to produce uh, any sort of legislation that proposes regulation of the digital technology sector. Uh, you also have very disparate views about the need for that regulation on the on the on the writer end of the spectrum. It's more about uh, of free speech and content moderation on platforms and political bias and viewpoints. Whereas on the more progressive side of the spectrum, it really is more about the holistic uh, question of how are the platforms shaping competition, limiting the development of smaller disruptive competitors and rivals and, and the harms that are being delivered to consumers. So until those uh, very disparate uh, political views are aligned behind the need for some sort of comprehensive regulation, I don't know that the ball will move forward very quickly. Gridlock would not be a surprise in this area, of course. Um, let's say gridlock persists. What's the danger? I mean, what's the future we see, we, you can foresee, if Congress does nothing, if the antitrust regulators do nothing? Yeah, good question. I think the dangers are significant. Uh, what we're seeing in the digital tech space is, at least with the sort of the big five, uh, the largest digital business ecosystems, is rapid growth and expansion. They have acquired their way to dominance, right? I mean, we have seen over 700 acquisitions by those large five uh, over the last 20, 25 years. We've, AAI has done a lot of analysis on this. It is a growth by acquisition model. There is not a lot of organic growth going on in digital tech. It's grafting on assets, expanding the ecosystem, reinforcing the platform. So here we have a sector where it's growth by acquisition. And of all of those reportable transactions, only one has been challenged by the agency. And that was DOJ taking on uh, Google's acquisition of ITA in the travel search software space. So under enforcement, uh, really dramatic under enforcement in that sector, a growth by acquisition model. Uh, now it appears over the last 10 years, they have, uh, they have reinforced their positions in cloud computing, which again is the engine of growth for the, for the digital ecosystems. Uh, and we can see the expansion into, into other markets energy, health tech, ed tech, all of these other, all of these other consumer-facing markets. So the expansion of the ecosystems is dramatic, it's rapid, and it's concerning. And if we do not have uh, a public policy approach to restraining their growth and the exercise of market power, whether it's through antitrust and, le and a legislative approach, we are, I think, going to be in a very, very difficult position uh, in this sector, but but in promoting competition more generally, you know we have an economy now that's driven by globalization and e-commerce, and and competition is uh, the root of a market-based system, and and a market-based system is so important uh, in terms of reinforcing democratic principles in a free and civil society. So it's you know it it percolates through you know our. Uh, Antitrust enforcement percolates through uh, having a robust competitive market system, which supports a democratic society. And unless a coordinated approach uh, is, is pulled together uh, to deal with the digital sector, I think we're going to be in big trouble. And I would just say one more thing. 
it's everywhere now. Like it's not just in the digital sector. We see uh, the advent of digital technology platforms developing in healthcare, in uh, in in food and agriculture. Uh, AAI, for example, just sent a letter to DOJ asking them to really scrutinize United Healthcare's acquisition of Change Healthcare, which is a digital healthcare technology platform. So we're we're no longer limited to just uh, digital tech. We see uh, Zillow, for example, becoming a dominant platform in online real estate. So it's everywhere. And this really is the biggest public policy problem, I think, of the last 20 years. Diana, thanks so much. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode of CQ Future. I'm Sean Zeller. The producers of this show were Joanne Levine and Evan Campbell. You can find all our podcasts at rollcall.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.